It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and today we're going to go back and look at some of the names that were drafted in this year's 2020 NFL Draft, and if they made the right call to leave College Station before the timing was too soon. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love your follows, and I love your feedback. It's really simple. My name is Cole Thompson. I am a mister. That's my name. Don't wear it out. And last but not least, follow us at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content on a daily basis. We try to come as much as possible. Right now, we're doing three days a week, sometimes four. As soon as this pandemic ends, we will be back to our normal five-day schedule. But until then, stay indoors and make sure you're listening to us because the only way we can get better is by having you guys around to help with the process. So remember, at Locked on Aggies and at Mr. Cole Thompson. We have breaking news coming out of the recruiting trail. Now, while, of course, because of COVID-19, we cannot have anyone officially sign or officially come on visits that doesn't mean that the 12th man is not trying to get better and become the next great powerhouse in the SEC and they might be doing that with Tuesday's afternoon selection of four-star Brooklyn Aramis Hall defensive end Jason Harris the Brooklyn New York native announces commitment to Texas A&M he ranked as the 208th overall prospect per the 24-7 composite rankings he also had Offers from LSU, Michigan, Ohio State, and Rutgers in his final five uh, listed before officially deciding to come to the Lone Star State. I want to thank my parents, family, coaches, and mentors who have been actively a positive influence. As a family, we decided that the best place for us is Texas A&M to reach my full potential as a man, student, and athlete. I'm officially an Aggie. Hashtag gigum. Uh, and hashtag 12th man as he posted on social media. This is a very big selection because of what Jimbo Fisher's doing is he's taking away prospects from states that are improving. A lot of people don't mention enough how important the state of New Jersey is when you look at some of the top recruits. Of course, the biggest name right now that you probably don't know, who's actually from New Jersey, is Minka Fitzpatrick, who now plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers and has turned into a Pro Bowl safety, and rising superstar, hopefully at the NFL level, Jonathan Taylor, who led the NCAA in rushing this past year, originally committed to Rutgers before electively switching last second to Wisconsin. So to be able to take a guy, a six foot four, 215-pound edge rusher, who will only make this front seven better for AM, is a massive get. It is something that a lot of people look at and just are in awe and wonder what could we be doing that makes this team so much better. I love what they did in the 2020 recruiting class. I really did. They focused so much attention on building that defensive lineup. And you look at some of the picks, Isaiah Rakes, the defensive tackle, Fidel Diggs, Diggs, Danelle Harris, a top 50 signee. This is definitely a class that is built for the future 
with guys like Tyree Johnson probably stepping away in the year or so. DeMarvin Leal, one of the bigger name pl- prospects and is only going to continue to grow now that he is a full-time starter on the Aggies defensive line. You're replenishing a position that is ever-changing. The scheme you run, and in Mike Galco's defense, it's a 4-3. You're going to eventually see him probably leave. And if they want to switch to a 3-4 system, which is starting to trend the right way in the NFL, where you have your three defensive linemen kind of just play that run stop and then have your two edge rushers, those defensive ends, play standing nine techniques. You have to be able to have guys who can do kind of a little bit of everything. And when you look at a guy such as Harris, who's joining the team, 6'4", 215 pounds, he's known for being an edge rusher. So he could fit either mold. You could play him as a Jadavian Clowney, a, uh, a Von Miller, a Miles Garrett-esque type role if you wanted to, where he's playing that standing nine. But you also could put his hand in the dirt and allow him to rack up the edge points, beating offensive tackles from the three-point stance rather than a two-point stance. All these moves added together just Paint the picture of what AM is doing. And this is a huge get for their defensive line class. When you look at some other names that they've added this year, he's the number four uh, top uh, prospect that has come to AM this past year. Top 100 wide receiver, Sedarjik Banks, said that he was going to join with Denton Geyer's dual threat quarterback, Eli Stowers. Fort Collins and Colorado's offensive tackle, Trey Zahn, are all joining the class, all four stars. This is another good get for Fisher. A lot of people are sitting out here and going, well, what about the five stars? I will take 18 four stars over 10 four stars and two five stars every single day. Because again, it's just a number. What you do with that number helps benefit you even better. And for AM, a team that has lost a ton in the past several years and is going to lose even more next year, when you look at how many players they're going to have to replace... It's why I say all the time, this upcoming season is AM's do or die year. Because it's going to be another year or so with a whole new roster. You'll still have your Q pieces, Anaya Smith, uh, Damani Richardson, DeMarvin Leal, maybe, maybe Anthony Hines. I mean, you look at what is left there, they're going to have pieces. But, you know, Antonio Doyle, he's going to be a first-time starter. Antonio Johnson, more than likely going to be a first-time starter, finally replacing Keldrick Harper. It's a brand new system that you're building around to become better. And the more you add in pieces, a guy like Zahn, especially, out of Colorado, you now have a potential left tackle or right tackle that can pair well with Kenyon Green. You're adding depth at a position that needs to be replenished. And even if he doesn't start that year, he definitely will be the replacement for Green, I think, in a year or two. So, again... When you add these prospects all together and you look at how the team is coming in, a player like Harris only betters your chances of contending in the SEC that is a juggernaut of powerhouses meeting together. And this is a great fit for him. I think that he plays well in that 3-4 system. And I do think that... You have some areas where you can definitely still improve. But overall, I see no problem with this signing. And it's very great that you have another added element to your roster.
Speaking of rosters, we know five Aggies will make their mark in the NFL this season on 90-man rosters. Maybe we'll see six or seven with Colton Prater and Charles Oliver. But for now, five names. Which of these five probably should have stayed another year in College Station to better their draft stock and better their chances of making the Final 53? We'll be breaking down both the positives and the negatives when we come back in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, if you want to listen to quality content surrounding all things with your favorite sports teams, why not give a listen to a Locked on Podcast episode? We have over two dozen college sports teams plus every team covered in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and all the updated information to help make your fantasy football or baseball season one you won't forget. And during quarantine, you already know that you're going to have some time, so why not find your next favorite team? If we have one of your favorites, we probably got your other one. So go ahead, download us on Apple iTunes, download us on Spotify, or download us on regular online dial-up internet. It's really simple, LockedOnPodcast.com. And stay up to date with everything you need to know about your favorite sports team right now. Five former Aggies will make their mark in the NFL this upcoming season, whether that be on a practice squad or the final 53-man roster. Doesn't really matter. What matters is they get into OTAs and training camps in order to better their chances to become part of the long-term plan. The question that's asked every single year, especially with undergraduates, players who still have another year of eligibility who just declare early, did they make the right call? Sometimes you do, and I do think that when you look at a guy like Chase Young, the number two overall pick in this year's draft, made the right call to go to the NFL. His stock was not going to get any higher than that, and the only reason he did not go number one was because the team that selected with the first overall pick wanted to get a younger, more savvy quarterback for their future in Joe Burrow. Then you have guys like Jacob Eason or Jake Fromm, who, while viewed as quality quarterbacks, could have gone next year and maybe been considered first-round picks instead of going in rounds four and five, respectively, after a career at Washington and Georgia. So now we're going to look at AM players. Four players had the opportunity to declare early, while a fifth player who was drafted kind of didn't. So who made the right call to go to the NFL draft? Let's just start with the easiest one, and that's Braden Mann. Punter got signed in the sixth round by the New York Jets. That was easy. He had to go. He didn't have another option. He was done in college. He was going to make his name in the NFL. He set an NCAA record in 2018, won the Ray Guy Award, still punted very well, over 50 yards for 2019, had 26 of his punts land inside of the 20. Exactly what you want for a punter who can place that ball right in the opponent's end zone and make them work all the way downfield against your defense. New York got a steal of a pick. I know that it's really rough to draft players who are special teamers because, again, why would you when you know they're going to be available? But with Mann having the ability to probably go wherever he wants in the NFL because he would be the most highly touted punter in this class, in my personal opinion, New York made a great call to go ahead and just sign him, use one of their last selections to pick him up at a position of need, but also he had to go to the NFL. He didn't have that option of, oh, I want to go back to College Station for a year. I want to make sure that I can boost my stock. I want to be good. 
So again, that's an easy one. Same with Charles Oliver and Colton Prater. If they make it to the NFL, uh, Prater's going to be a tough one. He was a one-year full-time starter at center and a one-year full-time starter at guard. I don't know if there's enough on film with the offensive line and how they played this year. Great leader in the locker room, but I'm just not sure that there's enough to justifiably be like, yep, we want to take you and make you our superstar. And the same thing goes for Charles Charles Oliver, a guy who kind of got pushed down the depth chart, found a niche for himself in the nickel role, did okay, wasn't the best in man coverage, was a reliable tackler, I'll give him that. Maybe a team will take a risk on him with the 90-man roster when all this COVID-19 stuff kind of goes down and we can kind of see more about players who get hurt, players who come in. But right now, it's just a little tough to see where he lands. Guy who 100% made the right call, even though it did not work out for him in this year's NFL draft, for me personally, was Devin Renfro. People are probably going to wonder, why is Devin Renfro on your made-the-right-call list? when he wasn't even a draft prospect. Simple. He was not going to play at AM anymore. Everything you look at, when you look at some of the names that were added in the past couple off-seasons, when you look at some of the talent in you know, Jalen Jones and Brian George and Elijah Blades, they had two junior college cornerbacks come in to the program, and both are viewed as long-term starters this year and next year. Blades was not giving up his starting job when he was healthy. Neither it will George when he gets to the roster. Jones is going to take some time, I think, to be polished to where you need to kind of build around him for a little bit. So he's not going to be an immediate factor. But George will. And when you look at the players who are already on the roster and who are already there, where does Renfro fit? They weren't going to move him to safety. He was already in... Jimbo Fisher's doghouse a little bit this past year. I just look at all of this added up. And again, it's not that I don't think that Renfro is a talented player, because he is. But there was nowhere to play him. And when there's nowhere to play him, you kind of are just stuck in the middle of a loop. So he could have transferred to another school, kept another year of eligibility, probably would have had to fight the NCAA for another year to not have to sit this past season which would have even driven his draft stock down even further, and then reprove himself completely all over again. Instead, you go to the NFL, you make a name for yourself, you try to make it on Seattle's roster, who needs help in the secondary. They're going to transform him into a safety, and maybe, at worst, he becomes a special teams player. At best, he makes the final 53-man roster and is second-string safety. But at worst, maybe he does enough in his time with Seattle to where a team when roster cuts are made and they're like oh we want to get this guy for our practice squad we'll make him on the active roster then we'll waive him the next week that way when he doesn't play nobody's going to want him we'll put him on our practice squad and then when we really need him this will be a great great addition to our team I think this was a brilliant move by him I don't I get it why he wasn't drafted his stats do not resonate when it comes to a draft pick, but it's better than starting fresh. And, and this is why I kind of miss the XFL and why it's not around anymore, because the XFL, I think would have been a perfect spot for him. If he really wanted to go, he could just have said, you know what? I'm not going to go to the NFL draft. I'm just going to go to the XFL next season, 
learn a year, and maybe become Kenny Robinson, build up my stock, and become a fifth-round draft pick. Because that's not a bad selection for a guy who literally left West Virginia, and instead of just fighting the NCAA, chose to play professional football in a different league to better his chances. Renfro 100% made the right call, even though he was not drafted. On the flip side, there are three players who did not make the right call, although one you could teeter on if we're really being honest, but we know those names and we'll be breaking down why they should have gone back to College Station in just a quick moment. Hey guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you enjoy thinking about dinner while you're still eating lunch? If so, you probably love food just like I do. And that's why I love using Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without leaving the comfort of my own home or even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world, they use non-contact deliveries. So now when I order from my favorite local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. They also have Postmate pickups, which I have been using to order takeout for my favorite restaurants. So listen up. You guys need to be supporting your neighborhood spots right now. I've only been ordering local because it's a great way to support my favorite community. And Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier by picking up everything I need from Walgreens to 7-Eleven and dropping it up right outside my door. Just download Postmates on iOS or Androids, find your favorite restaurants, and get anything you want delivered within an hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anything you want, anything you're in the mood for, Postmate it. And enjoy staying safe during this difficult time. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Both are your number one source of income for everything going on right around College Station. Deputy Renfro made the right call as an undrafted free agent to head to the NFL. But unfortunately, Kendrick Rogers and Courtney Davis, I'm not sure both did. But before that... The one guy who we could say in a few years know better on if he made the right call or not is Justin Matabike. A lot of people I spoke to, you remember Justin Mello came on the show. We talked a lot about Matabike's potential and what he could bring to an NFL team. Some viewed him as a talented enough first-round prospect. Everyone viewed him for sure as a day-two selection, and a lot of people said he was probably going to go in the second round. Instead, he falls all the way down to the 77th pick with the Baltimore Ravens. Credit, this is a beautiful selection for Baltimore. They get a plug-and-play five technique who fits, I think, their defensive line better than he fits in a 4-3 system, and he will come in and make an immediate impact that Michael Pierce left behind. Everything about this pick was very good, and everything about Baltimore's draft in general was just very good. We, we discussed this on Monday about how good of a draft class they had But I just look at this roster and I look at this team and I look at what they've done and what they were able to create this past year. I'm very sold that Baltimore is going to be the powerhouse in the AFC. And Matabike will help with that. But if Matabike does struggle, and if he cannot possess the type of skills that John Harbaugh wants in his 3-4 system, 
this could be a guy who's kind of one year in, one year on the roster as a depth player, and one year gone. When if he would have gone back to College Station, would have been the leader of the defensive line and would have helped out, maybe he was a solidified top 15 pick. Maybe he would have been the next big defensive tackle in the SEC, kind of getting that rise like Javon Kinlaw had this past year. Maybe he would have, you know, hurt himself. Maybe he would have been a fourth or fifth round selection. Maybe an injury cost him. It's too soon to tell with a guy like Matty Piquet, mainly because of he has so much time to prove if he was or wasn't the right selection. And he'll at least, I think, make the roster for the next two years before DaCosta and Harbaugh sit down and go, okay, does this guy fit our needs? And if he doesn't, maybe you could trade for him because if he's so great at what he does. It's too soon to tell with Matty Piquet because of if he would have gone for sure high on day two, no doubt he made the right call. But a mid-third round pick is a little more questionable than it is solidifying he made the right decision. But both the wide receivers, Kendrick Rogers and Courtney Davis, probably should have gone back to College Station for one more year. I get why Rogers went, 100%. This was a guy who a lot of people I spoke to said, was his ceiling the number one receiver in the SEC? He would have been up there with Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, Brian Edwards. He would have been right there with them and probably would have garnered at least a mid-second round selection because of his size and his ability in the red zone. But injuries cost him. Uh, He kind of got lost a little bit this season with Kellen Mond. They weren't able to connect the same way they were against LSU and the same way they were against Clemson back in 2017. Add it all up, it's a problem. And 2018, my bad. But it's still a problem. And so I get why he went to the NFL. But he didn't have enough of tape. 30 catches, two touchdowns, 330 yards. That's not enough to go, you know what, we want to make a early selection on this guy. Now, he does go to a team such as the Dallas Cowboys who need that red zone target, but they also don't have a giant need for more than five receivers. So he's going to have to battle his way onto the roster because CeeDee Lamb, this number 17 overall selection, is automatically making it. You just paid $100 million for Amari Cooper, so he's on the team. And Michael Gallup had a 1,000-yard season last year with six touchdowns. You're back. Now you got to wonder, can he beat out guys like Cedric Wilson and a few other players if he's going to be able to make his name stick around and become some type of a factor for Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore? If possible, yeah. I mean, he's going to have to earn his reps by making an effort on special teams and somehow fighting his way onto, you know, onto onto the second team offense, stuff along the lines of that. So he went to a team that does need help at the wide receiver position in the red zone. But again, when you have that trifecta at the top, you're not going to see a lot of starting reps. So you have to make sure that every single rep of yours counts because if it doesn't, you're one of the first names to go because you're very set at your three wide receivers. And with your fourth guy, you're kind of just playing him when you're not running a tri- uh, trips. And you're, you're playing him when you're going into an open backfield kind of situation. And Rodgers doesn't fit 
what Dallas needs in an open backfield situation. He fits what they need in a red zone situation. Same can be said for Courtney Davis. I'll admit, I was very shocked to not see him get drafted. I thought he was going to be a day three player, but I thought fifth round. Maybe early sixth. There were plenty of teams. I still think the Texans need another receiver. The Green Bay Packers certainly need another receiver. I think Chicago could have gone after him. He would have fit very well with Mitchell Trubisky throwing only six yards a pass. There was a place for him in the NFL. And there was a there was a slot for him that he should have heard his name called. Now he goes to Minnesota. He will pair with Justin Jefferson. And while it's a good fit because of, yeah, Minnesota needs a third and fourth receiver because of Stephon Diggs and Laquan Treadwell are out of the building. Plus, Treadwell never really hit. Davis has to work twice as hard as Jefferson because Jefferson is guaranteed a roster spot. Any one of their players, I think, is guaranteed a roster spot if you were drafted in the first three rounds. So Cameron Dantzler, Jeff Gladney, Ezra Cle- they're all set. They still drafted another receiver out of Temple. And you have to wonder what will Davis's role be on the team? Because you have to have that X factor when you are an undrafted free agent. You have to have that it it deciding factor that allows you to become a name that you want to keep around. And yeah, the roster's been raised to 55. But is that enough to justify having six receivers on the team or seven receivers on the team in that matter? And what does Davis do to your roster that makes you better? I like him as a route runner. I think he's very smooth with the slants. He showed very great poise in zone coverage down in Mobile. And I think Mike Zimmer will find a place for him, even if it's on the practice squad for a year. But if he would have gone back, And Kellen Mond has that resurgence. And Kellen Mond and the Aggie offense becomes the juggernaut that is expected to come very soon. Where does he go? Does he go in the second round? Maybe the third round? And gets his master's degree, still goes back to Mobile, maybe is one of the more highlighted players down in Mobile instead of just a name on the board, and can become something very positive representing the 12th man. If he would have gone day three, I would have immediately said this is a great addition because of Demon Demas coming in and a few other receivers like Anaya Smith making his name for himself. But again, you look at a guy like Jamon Osmond, who will go back for another year. Maybe the offense kicks. And maybe if Davis was there, they would have had two receivers possibly go as high as day two. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, we're going to be taking a look back at the 2016 recruiting class. Why? Because most of these players were in that recruiting class and how their careers panned out since. We will see you soon. And make sure you're also listening to Chad Forbes' brand new NBA Trap Big Board Show. Chad Forbes is one of the best to do it at the level of grading prospects from the collegiate to the NBA side. You're going to want to listen every single day to his show. We'll see you tomorrow. Remember, you give me all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.